This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's a scoop session on this Tuesday here with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. We might mix. It's not Reckless Speculation Thursday, but you know we're always good for a little Reckless Speculation, Dukes. Tons of Viking stuff to get to today. How are you? I'm doing well, Judd. I hope you had a wonderful birthday yesterday. Oh, did you forget to wish him yesterday, Dukes? No, I didn't. No, you don't. He He did. Thank you very much. Uh, You know what? Monday night, 54. Very sedate. Dawn cooked. It was outstanding. It's all I can ask for. Sedate. She made a very, uh, she made a delicious dinner. That is, you know what? At 54, I'll take that. It's an outstanding birthday. So thank you, Dukes. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very nice. Hopefully there was some good dessert as well. Yeah. How, no, how do you guys feel dessert. about like the no, belated when someone forgets your birthday and they come back like a day later or two and yeah, say, hey, don't, sorry, don't me have birthday. I feel like, yeah, don't if the moment's birthday. gone, I'm I'm not like holding the grudge. You don't have to make it weird by, you know, coming back 48 hours later. Yeah. Well, this reminds me of a great Larry David yeah, skit is... from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like how long, like what's the threshold on wishing somebody a happy new year? Yep. Like if it's yeah. January 8th, can you wish somebody a happy new year? Mm-mm. Nope. You've passed the threshold. That's yeah, a little late. I don't Man. know. But like one day, I think I I'm okay one day on the birthday, right? Like if I wasn't on Facebook, you know, God bless Facebook, right? With the birthdays. I mean, yeah, because they remind sure you. I would remember, you know, anybody's birthday, right? I, I wouldn't. Mean, maybe my wife, although, heck, I might forget hers, right? But like without <laughs> Facebook, I wouldn't know anybody's birthday. Like with all due respect, Judd, I think I saw it on Facebook. Or maybe somebody oh. alerted me that it was your birthday. It's not like I just knew, hey, Judd Zolgad's birthday is November yeah. 13th. It's not like I knew that top of my head. Mm. So I'm just saying, if like I'm not on Facebook, like give me a day or two. So I think I'm okay within 24 to 48 hours yeah, on the belated birthday wishes. By 54, I don't care. So you don't care anymore. Yeah, just, don't be just concerned save it for all. Save it for next year. Um, okay, let's talk some Vikings here, Doogie. Let's start with uh, the signing of Anthony Barr. And what it signals here, so Jordan Hicks is, so he was hospitalized yesterday for sure overnight from Sunday with uh, compartment syndrome, which is sort of the inflammation of bruising. It's like where the bruising and the and the swelling gets to be like more than usual. So uh, Vikings bring back a familiar face who's just been kind of waiting for a phone call since he left Dallas after last year. Yeah, Anthony Barr is back. I mean, he received some phone calls, like he took a visit in August to New Orleans. He also visited the Giants. Heck, he was in Philadelphia earlier this week. 
I don't know if the Eagles were ready to sign him or not, but the Vikings said, hey, come on over. We will add you to the practice squad. So I don't know if this means like, okay, November 27th, Anthony Barr getting all these snaps against the Bears. Like he's not playing on Sunday against Denver. I think this what what it signals is, well, A, Jordan Hicks is not going to be available for a while. Like you can't plan on him against Denver or Chicago. Okay, then bye week. Let's then revisit after the bye week. But like Jordan Hicks isn't playing anytime real soon. I guess we can address the idea of potentially an IR stint, but he's not playing the next two games, right? So you needed somebody for depth's sake. You have Brian Asamoa, who's battling an injury. I'm told this morning he is 50-50. Ivan Pace Jr. had the green dot in the preseason. Ivan Pace Jr., I expect to see him on the field a good amount. Like we have the last couple weeks, in fact, the snap count has gone up the last couple weeks after dipping middle of the season. But Ivan Pace Jr. trending to be the guy with the green dot Sunday night in Denver. Then you've got Josh Metellus, who has been playing a, a lot of linebacker, like You know, a lot of people view him as a safety. He's not a safety. I had a nice conversation with Josh the other day in the locker room. I'm doing a feature story on Josh for the Monday Night Football pregame show before the Bears game. As of now, we have not been told that that game has been flexed out. So it's full steam ahead, presuming Vikings-Bears is Monday night, November 27th, not being moved to Sunday, November 26th. I'm working on this big feature story TV-wise on Josh Metellus. I mean, he reminded me, I'm a football player. I'm not a safety. Like, I play a lot of linebackers. So I think we'll see some sets on Sunday where it's Ivan Pace Jr., Josh McCallis, Then you have either the third corner or the third safety. But, yeah, in the short term, Jordan Hicks, he's going to be missed a ton. Remember, he took the pay cut. Good thing he did. Jordan mm-hmm. Hicks had a really, really good year. It was an innocuous hit. I put the video up on, on my Twitter on Monday night. I mean, Cam Bynum, he's making the tackle. Jordan Hicks is. Bynum comes over, a little bit of a leg whip. Like, you see that play happen all the time. Just a reminder of just how crazy, how violent the sport of football is. But in the moment, it looked pretty innocuous. But good thing that the Vikings acted quickly. Although he went back into the game because he felt okay. But post-game, the swelling was out of control. They knew right away, hey, let's get him to the hospital, undergoes a procedure. He tweeted this morning a photo of himself in a hospital bed saying that he's doing well. But I'm just saying... You know, when talking about Hicks being back in the football field, it's not going to be anytime soon. But thankfully, he's doing okay. So on Hicks as well, so he got hurt on the innocuous play that you talked about, Doogie. He stayed in for another play. He actually was slow to get up after that play, which I was like, when did he get hurt? Because it was a nothing tackle. And he went to the sideline. The trainers were there. Like like he was trying to politic to go back in, and it looked like they, they were telling him, uh, that was not a great idea. He did go back in, and I think that's where it got worse. Uh, but don't don't forget, too, and I don't know what the plan is with the full week of preparation with Brian Flores, but uh, Troy Dye also played 16 snaps as well. And so Troy Dye could play, too. Um, but credit to Hicks, I never thought I would say at any point going into the season that the loss of, of Jordan Hicks is big. But this is a – that he's done a ton there. Like of all the linebackers that you don't want to lose, and I know Pace has been a great story. I think Hicks is atop that list. So credit to him. Brian Flores has taken him from a guy that I perceived a year ago to be pretty unproductive and aging and didn't look great to a guy who has played a huge role. So he will be missed, but I'm curious if Troy Dye will see some more time as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he will. I mean, Ivan Pace Jr., Phil, you probably have the PFF numbers 
Ivan Pace Jr. against the pass, don't know how much you can trust him. Against the run, blitzing, yes. I mean, I'm almost thinking, would it make some sense to have Josh McTellis have the green dot, not Ivan Pace Jr.? Even though Ivan Pace Jr. had it in the preseason, it worked fine. Would it make some sense to have McTellis wear the green dot? You can bring Dye in for Ivan Pace Jr. in certain situations, passing downs, right? So, yeah, I mean, I imagine Troy Dye will be on the field on Sunday. Yeah, I do just uh, – so so Pace, his snaps have, have – he was playing, I think, heavier snaps early in the season, and now they've kind of transitioned more to, like, just having three safeties on the field and one linebacker more often. But Pace is currently the – let's see here. Of, of players who played at least 100 snaps, the fifth highest graded defensive player on the Vikings – uh, and he has gotten a little bit better according to PFF in coverage. So I think they trust him to go out there. I don't know if they're going to put him out there for – they'll probably split snaps. I don't think they want him out there necessarily for 70 snaps, but but we shall see. Justin Jefferson, what's the update there? Yeah, so on Saturday he was running sprints at TCO Performance Center. On Monday he, again, was running sprints. My understanding is he has not said that there's been any discomfort. The next step would be some aggressive cutting but it's certainly trending in the direction of Jefferson being back on Sunday. If not Sunday, then the Bears game, right? Like, it's what I've been saying. He's not going to come back after the bye. Like, it's trending toward, unless there's a setback, which a hamstring injury, tricky injury, it's possible. But it's always trended toward him being back in November. But he is ramping up his activity. I don't want to be too aggressive here five days out on Tuesday. But I'm just saying, Justin Jefferson doing very well, didn't report any sort of symptoms, any sort of setback after running a bunch of sprints on Monday afternoon. So if he continues to trend in the right direction, we absolutely could see Jefferson back on the field on Sunday night. And when, when he co- comes back too, I'm going to be really curious to see his his use just as far as what th- this means. Because I think the one, the one positive beyond the four wins is uh, – um, Addison has stepped up huge and like so we thought he was a really good receiver but I mean that catch again that was an incompletion because the ball didn't survive the ground on Sunday was an unbelievable toe tap uh so for O'Connell and Dobbs and with Dobbs being a threat to run this could be really interesting to see what putting one of the best if not the best wide receiver back in the game can do as far as the alternatives now because of Dobbs legs as well Dukes well, I mean, does it create even that much more space for TJ Hawkinson? Remember early in the year, Hawkinson just didn't have a whole lot of space from a scheme standpoint, a route running standpoint. TJ Hawkinson has elevated his game plenty the last few weeks. So Jefferson back in the field, does that even open up more space for Hawkinson? KJ Osborne trending in the right direction. He was trending in the right direction last week on Friday. You know, he was out of the concussion protocol, but still reported some symptoms. You know, you don't want to mess with a brain injury, so they held him out on Sunday, but I would not be shocked if K.J. Osborne is back as well. So that just opens up all sorts of different possibilities. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find 
find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yeah, we were uh, with Alex Boone yesterday on Purple Daily, our trenches episode, just breaking down some of the highlighted offensive plays. And it was really interesting. Sometimes you think when you're watching on TV, oh, Josh Dobbs is scrambling here. I wonder if he missed a read somewhere or if there was actually no one open. And on the two or three times we looked at it and we did the wide angle and Boone's like, there's no one open. You know, it's it's not like he's staring out at the field and not knowing how to go through his progressions. It's just he's going through his progressions. Boom, first read, second read, third read. So I think having Jefferson out there probably changes some of those plays. Not probably. It does change some of those plays so that, you know, you're not going to have four guys covered. I mean, I like I like Powell, but, you know, Powell's not an every snap wide receiver that, you know, gets separation. So we'll see. Now, is Dobbs going to feel obligated to to stick on Jefferson as opposed to moving around? You know, we'll have to see how that dynamic works out. But adding him back in should should only help Joshua Dobbs. Obvious take of the show here. The other optimistic injury news, Alexander Madison in the concussion protocol, but doing well. Now, for the aggregator's sake, I'm not going to declare here five days out. Madison 100% is playing on Sunday in Denver, but he absolutely is doing well. Put it this way. Do not rule out Alexander Madison five days out. So even though he's in the protocol, we saw it a few weeks ago, heck with Brock Purdy, right? In the protocol early in the week, ended up playing that next game. So it is looking good today on the Alexander Madison front. Hey Dukes, from your spies inside TCO, tell me this, what have you heard about Ty Chandler? And, and like, I mean, he stepped in on Sunday and I know that, that, that at the end of the day, the average gain was not great, in part because they telegraphed runs in the second half. But he made some nice runs, too, and there's a burst there. Do you feel like he does have advocates in the building? Because it certainly seems to me that no matter what his deficiencies are, when he has the ball in his hands, it's far more of a threat than when Alexander Madison does. Yeah, I mean, even the touchdown run, I get it, called back, but, like, you saw the burst, right? So, yes, he does have advocates in TCO Performance Center, right? But there's a reason why they brought in Cam Akers previously, right? But, yes, I mean, Ty Chandler is going to get more and more touches as the year goes on because you can just see it. When he hits that hole, when he has a chance to hit that hole, there is a burst that, with all due respect to Alexander Madison, he doesn't have. So, yes, I mean, amen, Judd, you know, him having advocates, yes. I mean, I don't know if it's been universal. I think it's – more so now compared to three or four months ago. But, yes, I foresee Ty Chandler touching the ball more and more as the year goes on. I would also think, too, you know, this is his second year. Like Most rookie running backs aren't trustworthy in pass protection because there's so many different variables and things you have to read, as, as Boone has pointed out to us. Okay, now he's halfway through his second season. He's gotten the offseason. He could just be getting better at pass protection at some point too. like throw him in there and see what happens for 15 or 20 snaps. If it's a train wreck. Okay. Then see, I see the problem with having CJ ham on the field on third down all the time is if you have to throw him the ball, he's not getting you like 12 yards unless it's just a wide open situation. So here's another guy that I'd love to ask you about Doogie Marcus Davenport apparently underwent a procedure for his high ankle sprain. Is he coming back this season? What's because I mean, DJ Wanham has six sacks, but he's not exactly lighting it up in terms of pressures on a regular basis. The only real organic pressure generator is Daniil Hunter. Otherwise, the pressures that the Vikings get are usually because of the blitzing scheme. 
it'd be nice to get some more organic pressure so you could drop guys into coverage. And Marcus Davenport's probably your best hope. Does he come back? Yeah, I mean, the Vikings, Phil, are anticipating Marcus Davenport returning this year. Now, they could open up the practice window this week. He would be eligible for that to happen. That is not going to happen. They are not opening the practice window this week. You're not going to see Marcus Davenport anytime this month. Is it possible he's back, maybe more so for the Bengals game or the Lions game on Christmas Eve? Yeah, I would look in that time frame, not necessarily the Raiders game, but let's wait and see. Certainly not Broncos game or Bears game. He is still in that walking boot. So, you know, mm. he takes the boot off for rehab, but as he's moving about, you know, in the locker room, you know, throughout the facility, he is wearing that boot on his left foot. So, yeah, high ankle sprain. I mean, the initial diagnosis of the high ankle sprain, we were looking at closer to six to seven-ish to eight weeks, not four to five, even though I think it was reported four to six. It was always going to be more so six, seven, eight. So we're looking at sometime in December, but certainly not from the Vikings' point of view, Phil, a season-ending injury. They do anticipate him being back this year. Where do things stand with uh, Jaron Hall coming back from concussion protocol? Because I'm going to tell you the one thing that made me very nervous on Sunday was looking down on the home sideline and seeing number 19 in purple. God bless him. Sean Mannion probably has a future as a coach, uh, but it was like if he has to go in this game, this team is absolutely screwed. So is Jaron Hall close to being cleared? Because I would take it that he will go instantly back in as the backup once he's healthy. Yeah, he's good to go, or he will be good to go. Yes, I mean, it's trending in that direction. I mean, unless there's some sort of setback, but yes, it is trending in that direction. The Nick Mullins... Practice window is opening, so it's what we talked about a few weeks ago, that this wasn't some sort of season-ending injury, the back injury, some sort of long-term type injury, that, you know, the New Orleans game was always going to be way too aggressive. Even the Denver game was going to be aggressive just in terms of lack of practice reps, but that Nick Mullins was trending in the right direction. So look for him to be back on the practice field this week. So that's another possibility. I think maybe for Denver, we're looking at Jaron, not Nick. But maybe as soon as that Bears game, maybe Nick is the number two. By the way, breaking NFL news here doesn't really pertain much to the Vikings, but it's interesting. After last night's train wreck, Buffalo losing to the to the Broncos, Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, is the scapegoat from this embarrassment. He and, has been fired. <laughs> and and Stefan Diggs, shockingly, his brother is now tweeting that yeah. Stefan has to get out, out of Buffalo. You know whose fault it never is? Stefan Diggs. Yeah, it's about, about four years in, three years in, and Stefan's like, I'm out of here. Get me the bleep out of here. <laughs> you know what last night was a reminder of, maybe on the national TV spotlight, that as uber talented as Josh Allen is, you still need the guys around you, right? And maybe that points to Josh Dobbs. Right, It's not like he was any sort of train wreck in Arizona, but if you look at the win-loss record, yeah, okay, 1-7 or 1-8. Yes, from that standpoint, he was. But he just didn't have the guys around him. He's got the guys around him here, yeah. including a very, very smart head coach. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing, too, though, is is this, and, and O'Connell has translated it uh, super well, but I think what it shows, too, is Josh Allen had his best years with Brian Dable as his O.C., and, you know, the pro- I, I think we all assume the quarterbacks are going to graduate to where they get to just through maturation, right? 
I think what this shows is, again, coaching becomes incredibly important. And and because, I mean, since Dable took the Giants job, Josh Allen has not looked the same because his main deficiency is he's careless with the football. Dable seemed to cut that back to where it worked out, right? So, like, again, I, I think you got to go back to the importance of having, especially for a quarterback, the right coach who's going to help you succeed, which is why I don't think that you can just take that this whole thing now is, well, if Dobbs had got traded, the Jets have to be super mad. And and this team has to be really mad that they didn't get. Don't assume that Joshua Dobbs was just going to go to any other team and have the success that Kevin O'Connell is getting from Dobbs. I think that this this relationship is a big part of the story. Absolutely it is. Yes. I mean, you know, the Browns were the other team. The Jets weren't even interested in trading for Dobbs. Right. The Browns had some interest in bringing him back, but not, you know, all sorts of interest where, you know, it's not like the Vikings gave up much for Dobbs. But yeah, there is something very strongly to be said about that relationship. KOC, also Wes Phillips, but certainly KOC, but, you know, the assistance as well. But yeah, KOC with Dobbs. Heck, look at Jared Goff in Detroit. Phil, what is he? Top five quarterback this year? Or is that a stretch, I mean, Jared Goff? That's probably a, I'm not talking overall, but this statistically, year. Uh, measurements would say for sure top ten. Yes, he's my, he's also okay, my well, guy, Jared Goff. Yeah, fine. So Ben Johnson, right? I mean, undoubtedly, Ben Johnson will be a head coach somewhere next season, right? I mean, you can make a case for the Chargers. I don't think the Raiders make a move on Pierce, but potentially the Raiders. Heck, are we sure Sean McDermott survives in Buffalo? Would Ben Johnson make some sense in Buffalo? You can make a case. My point is you can make a case for the Lions offensive coordinator a bunch of different spots because you look at the success he has had with Jared Goff. Yeah. Yeah, and the other the other experiment here just around the league, you're it just feels like there's more offensive mad scientists the last 5 or 6 years. You know, Kyle Shanahan showing that you can't just plug anyone in, you know, you, there's got to be a certain level of, of competency and athletic ability, but Kyle Shanahan, what, what uh, Mike McDaniel has done with Tua, who I know he was a high draft pick, but in terms of like projection and tools, I don't think he was projected to put up this type of productivity. What Kevin O'Connell is showing right now too, it's, this is, I don't think it's necessarily a testing ground to see if Josh Dobbs gets a five-year massive contract. I think it's a testing ground to show, okay, we know what this offense looks like with Kirk Cousins, and we know that Kirk is generally a top 10 to 12 quarterback. Can Kevin O'Connell make somebody else look like a top 12 quarterback? And if he can do it with Josh Hobbs, all of a sudden now you're not going to go back and say, okay, $40 million for Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles, right? Like that's the experiment right now to me. Yes, although, you know, two-game sample size, right? We're not making yep. any sort of – Let's let it play know, out. Yep. Large decisions right this second. Let's see it play out I still stand by what I told you guys a week or two ago that today there's a better chance doesn't mean it's going to happen but there's a better chance today than there was the morning of October 29th that Kirk Cousins is back with the Vikings I say that from the standpoint of the price isn't going to be the 40 to 45 million dollars per year now is it possible Atlanta or some other organization still throws Kirk Cousins that enormous money yes then the Vikings are not going to pay that money. Kirk will move on. I'm just thinking in the moment with the Achilles injury coming back from that at 36 years old next year, that the price isn't going to be what he thought it would be. I agreed with you completely on that after he got, got hurt, Dukes. But as I watch O'Connell watch a mobile QB and 
you know, Kirk's going to be 36 coming off an Achilles. There has to be a temptation to say, oh, my God, the the uh, things that we can do. And and the other interesting thing, and it's it's small, but it's big, in my opinion, is this. Um, I think it was Ben Gessling at the Star Tribune asked O'Connell postgame on Sunday, when did you put the direct uh, snap to Ty Chandler in, you know, and Dobbs go, goes out. And as we discussed on PD yesterday, Dobbs was actually a threat there. Like, like it's not a, it, oh, my God, I'm going to go to the sideline and step out of bounds as, as soon as the ball snapped. And O'Connell said last week. So, like, he is he is putting things in his playbook now that he is acknowledging he could not have. And I just got to think that the temptation there, Darren, is so huge to be like, I love Kirk. It's not a personal thing, but look at what I'm doing. And to Phil's point, the mad scientist role grows then. It grows. Well, I think it can be both, right? I mean, you can still go quarterback in the first round. Yeah, Somebody who's mobile like J.J. McCarthy of Michigan have a succession plan in place, but with the competitive rebuild, the way the Wilfs are thinking, that, okay, the idea is to still be uber competitive in 2024, that Kirk gives you a chance to do that next year. But, again, like, I don't want aggregators putting it out there, you know, that I'm suggesting it's a done deal. Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback in 2024. I am fully acknowledging. Aggregators, make it happen. Make it happen, aggregators. It's it's Darren Doogie Wilson. Out of the water. Yeah. There is some team that may blow Cousins Offer out of the water. Offer on the table right now. Aggregators. And the Aggregators. Vikings are not going to do that. Hear this. Hear this right now. Hey, I hey. am saying it's my opinion O'Connell's infatuated with mobility, and therefore Kirk Cousins is on the outs. You can use that. <laughs> you can use that. Oh, man. Hey, before we dive into a few more scoops here, so – Give to the Max Day is this Thursday, and so all week long here at Score North, we are throwing our support behind secondhand hounds. All of us here, all three of us, and then Doogie as well, we're all dog lovers, animal lovers, and uh, Secondhand Hounds is a nonprofit animal rescue based in Minnesota that provides safe shelter for our furry friends. So here's what we're doing. We've got the donation page open at scorenorth.com slash donate. Thank you. By the way, yesterday you guys pitched in $500 already, so thank, thank you. you. Awesome. Our friends at Nutrisource will be matching up to $1,000 raised. Scorenorth.com slash donate. Uh, secondhand Hounds takes in. And, and there's a bunch of different ways that dogs can be taken in. It could be that they've been abandoned, that they've been abused. It could be that they're, that they're this is so sad, their dog parents passed away. And uh, Secondhand Hounds gets them in veterinary care, daily necessities, all while working to find each of them a permanent loving home like our dogs have here. So scornart.com slash donate, gentlemen. Mm. Love it. I mean, we've rescued multiple dogs, right? And so, yeah, I'm big on secondhand hounds. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Okay, uh, unless you have any other Viking stuff, I'm wondering, uh, Steph Curry's questionable. <laughs> Even if he does play Doogie, okay? Kyle and I just, we probably jinxed the wolves on flagrant howls yesterday, but... You look at the tail of the tape, this current iteration of the Warriors, Steph is still excellent. Everybody else under him is either eroding or old or, you know, not like, I don't know who their second best player is anymore. The Wolves stack up tail of the tape clearly better than the Warriors. Doesn't guarantee they're going to win tonight. But it's interesting when you start to look at the Wolves compared to other teams in the West. Dude, they're, I think they're one of the top three teams in the West. Forget about record, like just roster and and everything. With Anthony Edwards becoming one of the best players in the league, is that too hot of a take? Yeah, I mean, 
No, it's not too hot of a take. I mean, I think Golden State's second best player is still Clay Thompson. Like, I think he's yeah. going to shoot the ball better. Now, if you want to make the case he's wearing down, you know, he's overcome so many injuries, yeah. right? I mean, serious injuries, like father time is catching up to Clay. Fine. I can, I can listen to a case like that, but I still think he is going to shoot the ball better as the year goes on. But, yes, I mean, if you stack the Wolves roster against the Warriors roster, absolutely, you feel better about the Wolves roster. I mean, frankly, Phil, the Wolves have the best resume, and I get it. We're one, what, eighth, one-seventh of the way through the season. A long way to go. But so far, the Wolves have the best resume in the league. When you consider wins against Boston, Denver, at Golden State, their top seed winning streak, they are by far the number one defense. There is a fall drop to see what the number two defense is, the numbers that the number two defense is putting up. Like, the Wolves are that good. They continue to hold teams to below 40% shooting, below 30% shooting from three. That's because they limit corner three-point attempts. This is this team's identity that they defend at an incredibly high level. We are seeing what a difference maker Jaden McDaniels is, right? He didn't play against Toronto. Okay, they lose. Minutes restriction in Atlanta. Okay, they have the horrible second half. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they've won every game. We asked last week, hey, can it continue on the road? They go to San Antonio. I don't think they played all that well on Friday. They found a way to win. They win on Sunday. Now they finally have like their first real schedule challenge this week because tomorrow in Phoenix is the first time all year they will have a rest disadvantage. But it's the and only time Booker Wolves... and Beal are back yeah. tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. It's the only time before like Christmas, or maybe it's even like into early January, that the Wolves have a schedule disadvantage, right? Now, it'll catch up January, February, March, where the Wolves will be playing, you know, on a second night of a back-to-back, and the other team didn't play the night before. But right now, the Wolves are taking advantage of a favorable schedule, even though the opponents are tough. So tomorrow, though, is the first real challenge. But hey, the Wolves have built up enough equity to me, just split these two, right? Find a way to win either tonight or tomorrow. You can, you know, you can trip up one of these games. You'll still be okay. You keep watching, you know, the Lakers lose games. They're not healthy. The Clippers look like a wreck with James Harden. You keep building up these wins. I'm telling you, it's the pattern that Denver followed last year. Memphis won't have John Morant for another few weeks. You know, they've stacked all these losses. I'm just saying, like, Denver was good. From opening night on last year, I'm not suggesting the Wolves are winning the championship, but this is the recipe. The Wolves have looked at it. Okay, start strong, and it'll carry all the way through. They need to stay healthy, but if they can stay healthy, I'm just telling you, with a full year of Mike Conley Jr., I'm with you, Phil. The Wolves are a top three team in the Western Conference. Do we think the league is looking at any disciplinary action for that absolute garbage hit that Chris Paul made on Conley? Because no, that was, I'm with you, but no, that's one of the no. most unnecessary. That that's one of the most unnecessary. He's a dirty player. Yeah, but I mean that's a, well, a, a shot Jr. at his knees. Call on that play. Conley Jr. got called for a foul on that play. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, there's a reputation there with Chris Paul, but no, there's no buzz on that front that there's going to be some sort of discipline that Chris Paul, like, won't play tonight or anything like that. No, but I hear you. Dirty, dirty player. Dirty play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire scoops here, Doogie. What else do you have in your scoop bag for us? 
Well, speaking of the Wolves, they'll have scouting representation tonight in Chicago for the Champions Classic. That's Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky. There's some NBA scouts that have been in town to watch Dawson Garcia. Let me see if I can find the exact team somewhere in my text messages. So on Friday for the game against Texas San Antonio, the Miami Heat were at Williams Arena. Then Thursday night, Gophers against Missouri. The Gophers play a legit opponent on Thursday night, although Missouri lost to Memphis the other day. But these NBA teams will have scouting representation at the barn on Thursday. Orlando, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Oklahoma City. Today is the deadline for Sonny Gray of the Twins to make a decision. Well, I guess formally of the Twins, right? Technically, he's a free agent. He's not attached to any team right now. But today is the deadline this afternoon. Does he accept the Twins' qualifying offer, or does he reject it? He is going to reject it. Today is also the deadline for the Twins to add more guys to the 40-man roster. Austin Martin is a lock, and the stud outfielder Rodriguez is also a lock. So they'll add those two guys. They will get to 38. I've been asked if Aaron Sabato, first-round pick a few years ago, if he will be added to the 40-man. My sense is the answer is no, that there's not really a fear that he's going to get selected in the Rule 5. I suppose there's always a possibility with a former first-round pick, but it doesn't sound like the Twins will be adding Aaron Sabato to the 40-man. Yeah. Well, that's a oof. That's a bust. There's a couple. There's a couple of them. Well, Fiona Kavako. He's, still, he's a Sammy he's softball a too. Bust. Yeah, and it's not like he was a top five pick, right? I mean, it was late first round. There's uh, no chance. Don't defend him. No, it's a it's it's, it's a crappy There's pick. No. He dude, he's fire, fire Sammy everybody. softball. Fire everybody. Fire everybody. Sabato <laughs> Sammy softball. He's he's in a just my swing man. I can't help it. Joey Gallo too, and he's not Joey Gallo. Sabato's <laughs> gonna dominate like a wood bat league out east when he's oh, like yeah. 31 years old. Oh, yeah. Just just. Talking about his his time in the big league camps back in the early 2020s. Doogie, great stuff, man. Great stuff. All right, boys. Yeah, but keep an eye. And, you know, I don't know if it'll necessarily be the Twins, but there's a lot of trade talk right now. You know, just with today being that 40-man deadline, yep. you know, you'll see some activity around the game today. Yep. There he is, Darren Doogie Wilson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, the Scoop Podcast. We will talk to you in a couple days, sir. Okay, boys. See ya. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, and there uh, wraps a scoop session here. All the Vikings injury and roster news you can eat. We will see you guys uh, over on Purple Daily as well for a deeper dive into the Anthony Barr signing, into Brian Flores' defense, and a write-that-down session tomorrow here. Uh-huh.